Cool. Nice. So you were telling me before about how, like, you, you have a cat that you have, like, this love-hate relationship with. Yes, we do. How we, long have you had a cat? Well, we, um, we've had this cat maybe for a couple of years now, maybe three years. Um, we've always had a cat. When, oh, so, so this cat, this is just this a is long, just, in a this succession? This is just one, yeah, yeah. And, and so, we, so when, I'm, when Dawn and I met, she had a cat that I inherited, and it, it literally was the it literally was the devil. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. Like it was possessed, um, and so then it it passed, and then we got another cat who was the best cat in the world. And then it, about a month later, it died of some rare disease. Oh of my course. gosh! And then we go to pick this new cat out, and she let me pick it out, which I think I'm fired from that position anymore. <laughs> Because this one... This hasn't been very... It this, hasn't worked this out This one is going to be with us for a long time. <laughs> What's this, what makes this cat particularly hearty? Like, what? Well, I mean, in all fairness, I think I think he was abused before you know, we rescued him. So he was abused, so he doesn't like to be pet. I mean, he'll let you pet him at times, but then when he's done, he'll just start swiping, swiping at you. Oh, my gosh. And uh, And then he really just... He doesn't like people other than, like, a few of us. So, like, when people come over, you won't see the cat. People don't even have we have a cat. And then they'll just wonder why we have the bowl on the ground. Like, what's that bowl on the ground for? And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> so for we our, just leave it here. That's for our cat. And they're like, you got a cat? I'm like, well, yeah. I was like, no, that actually is Connor's uh, dinner food. We just leave it on the floor <laughs> that's for him. terrible. <laughs> I was going to say, does Connor get along with the cat or does Connor not care or whatever? You know, Connor and the cat have a hate-hate relationship. Oh, really? I, well, I think Connor thinks that. Uh, the cat really likes him, but the cat does not. And it's so funny because he, he'll he go down and he'll sit down and he'll start petting the cat. And he'll go, look, Daddy, the cat loves me. And the cat's going. <laughs> the cat like is just seething it's, with hatred. I think the cat is actually uh, acting like he's dead. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's always funny. This is incredible. So you picked out this cat. <laughs> the cat is never like... This because Pastor always makes fun of Miss Debbie's uh, dog. I, we we need to get Joanna back on the show. Someone who actually likes their pets. I feel like Joanna <laughs> does a really good job of liking her pets. But this has just been. And so, um, you got any f- other fun cat story? I guess here's my question. This is dumb. I'll ask it anyway. When you adopt a cat, like, and you go to the store, do they tell you how many of the lives the cat has left? Like, is it seven out of nine? No, they really, they really don't do that. Uh, at least they didn't for us. Uh, they, they may not want you to know that, you know. But I will tell you one story. You'll really like this story. Okay. So, uh, Dawn, if Dawn's listening, she'll laugh about this. So when we had her, her the cat that I inherited and adopted, I guess you'd say, through her, we were going to, her parents were living in New Jersey, and we were going to New Jersey. And so I was, it was, we, were, we had literally got on the road. Now, it's a 17-hour ride, I believe, to get from Birmingham to New Jersey, where her parents lived. And she wanted to take this cat. And so the, we're driving down the road. She's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. And this cat, now, seriously, this is no lie. This cat starts to attack me. In the like, while like, you're driving, like, no, no, I'm not driving, oh, okay. I'm actually right. And this cat is like swiping at me with its claws. And um, and Don goes, um, it's the hat, take off the hat. He doesn't like the hat, I had a hat on backwards, and she was like, it's the hat, he doesn't like the hat. What? And I was going, so I take the hat off, and the cat still commits to like it, it pop up on this side and pop me, pop me. So finally, I, I was like, I was this. like, pull over, and I was like, it's me or the cat. 
And we were, we were probably about an hour at Birmingham and 16 hour left to go. And I was like, I'm not riding in that cat. So it ended up, we ended up caging the cat for at least most of the drive. And it was... It was a very interesting and a long car ride. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to seek out Dawn and hear the other side of that story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. fascinating. So that was a long time ago? Yeah, that was that was many years ago. When, when I many was, years. When I was thinking about having you on, this obviously, here's Patrick Sawyer, pastor of missional living here at the uh, at Valleydale Church. At the Valleydale Church? Can we? You know, that's, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit salty about this because we have the church at Old Town now. Oh, which yeah. just sounds so like erudite. The and church. The church. It's like the church, you know. It, uh, yeah. it's, it's it's like Ohio I mean, State. You don't deal. say the Ohio State. Yeah, like they get important. really mad at you when you do that. I, you I've, that. I've heard about this. So yeah, yeah. they're just jealous because they're not in the SEC. That's, <laughs> that's pretty clear. I think we should be the. We we could be the Valleydale Church. I feel like that's like. You know, you drive up down this road. There's like nine churches. There's, there's <laughs> be kind of rough. This is the Valleydale. And he's not, they don't have the uh, what, what the the definite article. Yeah, these yeah, are the yeah. indefinite <laughs> other other churches. See, we did talk a little Greek today. So, you know. Ah, yeah, the definite. Well, see, I know that you're knee deep in all this. <laughs> oh, God. Now, do you just started? You just started your D man. Is that what you're doing? Or you do a PhD? No, I, I've got my last semester of my MDiv. Oh, okay. And I'll graduate in May, and then I'll start a PhD program. You're going to do the PhD in the fall. Yeah, I'm going to do the PhD program. Okay. Uh, Lord willing. You should be. So you'll be done. You'll be done, be done somewhere in, when you're like 67. I think like so. Back, I like think faster. I'll be done by the time I retire. <laughs> I think I'll be done, and then I get, think I get to retire after that. I don't do, you, know, maybe. do you even know like what direction you're going to go with it? I, I know it's really open ended. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. You know, I I would say I'm going to be doing missiology is what I'll be doing. So I really want to do something, you know, based maybe around Paul and maybe Paul's theology, maybe Paul's uh, missionary um, plan, you know, his work and all that. I don't yeah. know. Maybe something there. But I know Paul's been studied a lot. Uh, and so I don't know what there's out there that could be studied. I'm pretty sure there's something, but I gotta that could be something I gotta stumble upon. Well, I feel I mean <laughs> I've, I've in, in in seminary so far for myself, so much of it has been like, yeah, I know it's out there, but like this class is helping it get into me. Like yeah. I'm so that I I know these things, I can synthesize the biblical data as yeah. they say, yeah, and to be uh, to be a better pastor. Yeah. That's cool, though. So, Lord willing, you're going to do the PhD thing. Lord and, willing, yes. And that was at the urging of our mutual friend, Donald McCall Brunson. Yes, it was. He was. He he called me in and, and encouraged me to do that. And I was like, "Man, I am so happy you're encouraged and you're encouraging Would me." Would you talk but... to my wife, please? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, that's a you know, that's a big, that's a big, big thing, big commitment. So, but I'm excited. I was already praying through if I wanted to keep going. Yeah. I do enjoy it. I do enjoy reading. Yeah. I do enjoy writing, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess if you enjoy those two things. I had a really good conversation. I talked to a professor at Southeastern just to get his thoughts on Ph.D., and this is what he told me, which was really good advice. Whether you agree with this or not, I I agreed to it, I guess, but uh, he said that if you have all the means and the resources to go on and do your doctoral work, meaning if you can afford to do it, you know, money-wise, if you have the will to do it, if you have the skills, I mean, like you can read a lot and write a lot. If you've got all those those resources at your at your disposal, uh, then he feels like you should really consider do, going on. That's a gift from God. Does it mean, I don't think he was trying to mean like if you don't, you're being disobedient or anything like that. I just think he was just saying that's how he, 
he evaluates kid or students like myself and others so if they want to go kid. on. You're just a kid. Just a kid. At heart. Yeah, just I wish one of I was... these kids looking for a PhD. <laughs> you know, no, that makes sense to me. There's so, certain criteria that he's going to look for in someone who wants yeah. to do that because he doesn't want you to get started and be discouraged after yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like you can have the will to do it, but you may not have. You may not have the, the resources to do it. Like, you may not have the money to go and do it right now. You may not have the time to go do it. So if you got all those things, like he said, you really need to consider it because you will. But I wanted to do it in something really and truly that would impact my ministry here and, sure. and, and in the future, not just get it to get it. Well, so, it's, clear, it's clear you've been learning a lot just with the MDiv. You know, I think yeah. we saw that yesterday when you were, when you were preaching to us. We're going to talk a little bit about that. In a second, I mean, you were talking about passion. It's clear that learning about, um, well, learning about the word, learning what the word says about uh, missions, yeah, is something that you're deeply passionate about. You started with that example of one of my heroes, Pistol Pete pistol Maravich. Pete Maravich I loved that. As soon as you show the picture, I'm like, that's the pistol. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I was like, so excited. I love and- Pistol Pete. So, yeah. so you're a real fan. This wasn't just a sermon illustration. No, no, no. I actually read his biography. Oh, yes. Uh, and I just, I just read it. It's been about a few months, but I read it. I really, you know, I really, I watched. You know, they had a movie that came out many. years ago. I was just ago. gonna bring it up. It came out in '91. Yeah, it was many the, years ago. It was one of the it first was, like non-animated was, movies I ever watched. It was really kid. good, but you know, he really, he really struggled. You know, one, one is is that he had a really interesting relationship with his father. His father was a basketball yeah, coach, you right. know, really aggressive. He really, really put a lot of pressure on, on on Pistol Pete throughout his basketball career. Always wanted to be his coach and really said, I don't need anybody else but just Pistol Pete. So his put, father put a lot of pressure on him, and I think there was a really intense relationship between the two. But but the fascinating thing, and I, and I mentioned it yesterday, was that, you know, he, he you know, it, it's so funny because the very big first of the book, it talks about, it's it's scriptural, you know. It talks about his relationship with the Lord, but then it kind of, and then it kind of goes back through. So it goes before he was a believer. So there's there's a little language in there yeah. in the book, and I'm thinking, wait a minute now, that's not the way the book start off. But then as you get to the end of it, you realize that eventually that he, you know, his his whole career, as much as he liked basketball and and was good at it, he just could never find happiness. He was never happy about anything. Uh, miserable. He really got into drugs and and oh, really wow. was miserable. Uh, later on throughout his playing career, and then that's when later on in life he discovered the gospel. And really, again, that's how I ended it yesterday, was that was the end of his, his, his life really was living out, playing basketball, teaching basketball, which was a passion of his, but also then using it for, to spread the gospel, which yeah, he had is like, huge. He had like eight years as a believer, yeah. and he was sharing the gospel the whole time. Yeah. And then he passed away of that heart defect. Mm-hmm. I believe that it was. Yeah. So many fascinating things about him. I didn't. What's the book called? Is the book called The Pistol? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I haven't read the book. I mean, I watched the movie. I like. You know, this is when I was just a little boy. I'm going to basketball camps. Um, he had just passed away. Yeah. So, but people are still showing his videos in basketball camp, and I yeah. remember he was like showing all kinds of tricks, and I was oh, like, yeah. figuring. I mean, I feel. It, so many ways I feel like the pistol taught me how to play basketball. Oh, you know, yeah. My dad oh, yeah. my dad was my basketball coach for a while and he would like show me the video and I did all the drills, you know. Yeah. There's the you know, the the back and forth on yeah. your hands and dribbling the two balls and then the where he puts the ball behind his neck oh, and tries yeah. to clap and oh, grab yeah. it. Yeah. Man, I'm geeking out right now. The pistol, yeah. still the all time leading NCAA scorer. You know, I think my favorite part in the movie, if you remember this, if anybody if anybody remembers this part, it's the one where his dad is 
he's up on the ladder and he's outside at his house. He's shooting basketball, and his dad is—I don't know—he's working on something, and he's—he's you know, he's out there shooting. And his dad asks him, "Who—who who is your favorite basketball player? Who do yes. you think's the best basketball player in the world?" And he throws the ball through his legs, yes, ring, rings the basket, and goes, "Who do you think?" And I was like, "Man, this kid is really arrogant," but. Yeah, it was a he great was scene. It was he a like great averaged, scene. I think he averaged like 44 points a game or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. It was just it's absurd. A, it's a well, great story. And great his dad story. was his coach at LSU. That's, yeah. that's another amazing thing. And I did thing. not realize that when I, until I read the book, that his dad was the LSU coach. I didn't realize that. And then, yeah, so it, it's yeah, it's a fascinating story, uh, really fascinating book. So I didn't know the thing about the the, the drugs and all that. At the yeah, end, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure the book said he got into drugs and – alcohol I mean it was just really he had a rough life well it's such rough a life but it is such a perfect illustration of he used his so he had this passion mm-hmm. it was he was completely devoted to basketball I mean you can say that he pretty much achieved I mean he didn't win an NBA championship but like certainly he was like one of the leading scorers in the league like he got to just about the absolute height you can get yeah. he went to the limits that his passion could take him yeah and then all he, all he found was emptiness there yeah. at the end of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And so you have in Paul, you have this example of, I guess, yeah, I, I, can, I can see it even more clearly now. You have in Paul this example of he, he t- his passion for the Jewish faith. He took yeah. that to the nth degree. Yeah. But ultimately that failed him. That yeah. led him into sin. You know, the, yeah. I mean, I'm reading um, N.T. Wright. Uh, I don't know if you know much about N.T. Wright. A he, little bit. He wrote a biography on Paul. Yeah. Wrote a lot about Paul. I don't agree with some of his views. Yeah, it's a little out there. It's Especially borderline. when he gets into justification and, and all that. That but, was the new perspective on yes, Paul? Yes, correct. Yeah. So I don't know how, I don't think I line up with that personally. But uh, that book I'm reading, it's really good. But it And I know a lot of it is, we don't know because the text didn't really tell us history of Paul when he you know, right, became, right. you know, growing up and all this stuff. But if you look through what N.T. Wright has done is he's looked through like what it would be like to grow up in the Jewish faith and all that. So you can take yeah. that and kind of put it to where, but the thing that was really fascinating is I, as I've read, I'm only in a few chapters in, but if you go back to in the, you know, basically as Paul was growing up, as he was coming a really Jewish, passionate Jewish leader, um, you know, he would have heard the stories of the Old Testament. So what N.T. Wright points out is, is that go back to the Old Testament. You remember the story, I think it's maybe in Numbers, but it's the story where the Moabites had deceived and, you know, you get this whole kind of sexual scene. I don't want to get into the graphic part, but remember Phineas spears the two, and then that really spares them of God's wrath. They still get God's wrath, but I think it spares the full of what God's wrath was going to be. And and Paul would have have known those stories. And so when you think about... When Paul is is a faithful, passionate Jewish leader who believed in the word in the Old Testaments and the laws and the traditions, when this new faith is coming out in his mind, this Jesus message, hmm. well, well, Paul is like, he points back to the Old Testament and like, we, we, can't, we can't let this continue to happen hmm. and deceive our faith. That's a good point. So Paul was passionate to stamp it out. If you remember in the book of Acts when, and I always, I pronounce his name wrong, but Gamaliel. You know, he yeah. who, who trained Paul. Gamaliel, yeah. Remember when he tells them, hey, guys, if it's if it's for man, it's going to fizzle out. But if it's God, we can't stop it. Uh, Paul would have not have probably agreed with him on that. Paul would have said, no, we're going to stamp it out. Right. Because it's going to deceive us. And if we're deceived, guess what? We're going to get the wrath of God. Right. And so that's that why sense. Paul was so passionate about stopping the gospel. 
you know, and uh, and then it just shows you though that the how passionate he was. But then the moment he became a believer, he still had the same passions. Yes, it was. But now God had Jesus really spent time with him, uh, and he showed him a different way to look at Scripture, the true way to look at Scripture through the Old Testament. And then he starts to see how it all links up, pointing to Jesus. And then he flips, and now he's passionate about the gospel. Yeah, you know, maybe so. the most passionate that ever lived. Yeah. It, that, that is such a good point, and that makes so much sense. Like, that, that you can see this in the Old Testament. And I, I see you brought your daily Bible reading yeah. plan yeah. card. We are seeing some of that. Yeah. Like, um, the, the, a God who is the same, the immutable God, he never changes. This is the same God that we worship today. In the Old Testament, when sin is in the camp, so to yeah. speak, the people that sinned are are punished. Yeah. Sometimes them along with all their families. What's the guy? We just read the story in Exodus. What's the guy's name? That um, or is it is it Numbers? Where the guy takes the spoils of war, even though it was supposed to all be destroyed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, why? If Pastor was here, he'd he'd reverend me. It's in it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it is. And so they it, take him yeah. and his family. And his extended family, and they they stone him in the sight of all Israel. Like yeah. every everybody is is put to death. Yeah, that's another story of where like uh, God says this you know this sin must be brought to to justice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, when I when I read stuff like that, um, it, it I mean, usually it, it reminds me of the 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 joy and relief and restoration that we have in Christ. Absolutely, because He took that ultimate. Punishment. You know, that's yeah. why we don't get stoned every time we have a bad thought or, yeah. or do these things. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, I, this was what was really fascinating to me as, as I've studied the Old Testament and, and then obviously how it points to Christ. And what you were just saying is this um, is, you know, when we read through scripture, sometimes it really, when you read stories of Achan, when you read stories of, you know, of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and Lot's family, when you read those stories, even in the New Testament, uh, when they bring the couple, you know, to, um, and they lie, and what happens, God puts them to death. We hear those stories, and we just, we just talk about how, man, that's hard to swallow when you read that. Like, man, that's hard to, you know, to say, well, we have a loving God, but man, look at how, you know, I actually had a guy one time in one of my discipleship groups who said, man, I'm so glad that that the God in the New Testament is not the same God. The God in the Old Testament was like this like, this, this anger God who put everybody to death when they sinned. Time out. But but I was able to to show him at that moment that like let's let's take a pause here and just understand it's not a different God. It's the same God. But here's the thing we have to understand is we have to understand the magnitude of sin. Right. You know, so so that is the magnitude of sin, that sin does bring us death, right? Uh, but it also points us to the wrath that God took, or through, you know, Jesus took, you know, for our, our sins. And so the Old Testament, when you see the punishment for sin, that how Israel and others were getting punished for sin, taking the wrath of God, it shows us the magnitude of sin and the wrath of God, but it also points us to the gospel because Jesus took that wrath. That wrath that we see in the Old Testament, Jesus took that wrath well, for us. Well, and I think you did a good job showing the magnitude of sin yesterday. You didn't shy away from the fact that there are two deaths two eternal destinations mm-hmm. um, after we leave this earth, heaven and hell, and you talked about the need for us to be able to share the gospel so that um, uh, so that we can save, by any means we can save some, right? Yeah. yeah. One question I had, and then we'll close up here in just a couple of minutes, but 
just a little bit more clarity on verse 20. So we're in Romans chapter 15, and um, and then I you might have covered this, so I apologize if I missed it, but the verse is, in this way, aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already known by name, mm-hmm. which that makes sense to me so yeah. far, Yeah. because you said there's three billion people out there haven't heard the name of Christ, so, yeah. so totally with you. But then Paul says, so that I would not build on another person's foundation. So yeah. I... I'm curious what he's saying right there because, you know, obviously discipleship is huge. You know, when I, I remember when I was on the field, the whole thing was like you're going yeah. and you're probably building on a foundation that somebody else laid or a field that somebody else planted. Yeah. Why is it Paul's particular desire that he wouldn't do that? Well, you know, I, I think what's going on here is that at this point, Paul, and I think I mentioned a little bit yesterday, at this point, if you go back through the missionary journeys of Paul, Paul had went through all these different, you know, Corinth and Ephesus, and all, and and really had to help plant churches. Yeah, and had a had a disciple, you know, had a a church planting movement going, disciples being made, the gospel being spread, uh, and then he, of course, I think it's the second journey where he goes to Corinth. That's when he writes this letter to the to the to the, the believers in Rome because Paul wanted to go to Spain. At this point, the gospel was not there. That was the at that point, the gospel had not reached Spain. And so I think he was saying, that's all this work right here, he said, and right here in the text, he said, is done. My ministry, but what Paul is, but I think uh, I heard somebody say this one time, is that what you have to understand is when Paul says my work was done, there were still many people that needed to be saved. Sure. Like the gospel still needed to be, you know, it'd almost be like saying, look, I mean, we've planted churches, let's say, or, or small groups in all of the neighborhoods around Valleydale. And we can say, hey, not everyone has heard the gospel yet. Not everyone is saved, but our work is done here. We now want to take the message of the gospel to downtown Birmingham, maybe where the gospel is not. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I think it was what Paul was saying is that not that there was not many works left to do. Make sure we all understand that. What he was saying was is that there is enough of a gospel presence and a gospel movement that we can, I can move on because God is now calling me to go where the gospel is not. Well, so that's where he wanted to go. That was his desire at this point, was well, to get to Spain where the gospel was not, if that helps. That, that does help. Well, and, and, and really come to think about it, like even now we have different people with different gifts. You know, this mm-hmm. is something that Paul says elsewhere. I think it's in Corinthians, where uh, obviously part of Paul's gift was being the tip of the spear, mm-hmm. like being the first one to go, yeah. and then setting other people up to lead well. Absolutely. But those people that he left behind, their gift was laboring in, yeah. in the wake of what he's done. The yeah. Lord has called different people to different things. So I guess Absolutely. that's perhaps he's just speaking uh, more to his particular call yeah. in the Lord. That's a, good, that's a good descriptive verse about Paul that, you, that not everybody could, could follow that as a prescriptive verse, right? Yeah. Because yeah. then nobody would ever stay behind and continue to do the work. That's true. Of no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the, that is the, cool, the good thing that what you just said there is that we, we you know, use our gifts that God gives us. Some, you know, and because one of the things, and that's why I brought up yesterday, community. Another avenue, which I didn't get to, when you, you bring what Paul says about our gifting and you bring it into community, uh, and then you bring it even to living on mission. Well, you know, one of the things that I tell like small groups, we're, we have a, dis, a college discipleship group uh, that we've had. We we just we started one last year. Now we're doing another one this semester. And what I told them last semester was is that how living on mission in community, God uses that because He uses your gifts. 
you have a group of seven people. Well, not every one of them is going to have comfortability in the in the the gift of evangelism. They're not going to be the type that's. There's somebody in that group that's not going to be the type that's going to be able to go into a strange crowd right. and try to have a gospel conversation. But there will be someone probably in there. Okay, so they're going to. God can use that gift. But you may have someone like Dawn and I. When Dawn and I went to D.C., Dawn has got more of that gift of like, hey, if you go start the conversation, then what I can do is. I can then join in the conversation, sure. yeah. you know, and so, but then some people has the gift of hospitality and some, yeah. so, so God uses, that's why it's so important for us to do it in community because God can use gifts of each other in order to, to be a gospel presence. Yeah. Well, I think we see that even here on staff, you know, we're yeah. a staff team, obviously, um, you know, pastor has this gift of preaching and teaching. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Lord's gifted me musically and with exhortation, yeah. that sort of thing. I, I don't know. Is there a spiritual gift of hard work? I feel like that's what you. You definitely have such <laughs> a, pers- a persevering spirit. Uh, yeah. So and and then you're out in the community and you're you're networking with people. But that's a. You've always been kind of a networker. Just to kind of button this up because yeah. you came you came into vocational ministry after working with. I mean, was it sales rep with Powerade? Is that what you yeah. were doing? And then before that was athletic training. So yeah, yeah. It's always always been just kind of a networker, yeah. people person. That's that's just what I feel the Lord, one of the gifts that he's given me, and I really haven't noticed it until really recently, is the gift of just networking, yeah. connecting people. And I, uh, one of my mentors at Southeastern told me that's what his, one of his gifts is. is yeah. He just, he's constantly seeing, connect things. And, connect yeah. and I think that's been, that's been the joy of my job, my role here with local, is I've been able to connect ministries with each other, get connect people with other people. And so... Yeah, you know what I feel like? I just watched the movie The Interns. I feel like Google. <laughs> just the call intern? me the Google. Like I make the connections. Google? I make connections to make connections. It's what movie is so this? The Interns with uh, with Vince Vaughn and uh, and where they go they go as they're older, but they go as interns to oh, Google. Okay, I heard about this. All right, so I'm, it's I'll, it's it's funny. I thought you were talking about the the intern because no, that was that no. Robert De Niro movie. Oh was yeah, yeah Anne no, Hathaway no, no, no. in yeah. that too. So no, I'm talking about it's called the I think it's called the interns, but uh, they go and intern at Google. It's pretty funny, but but that's what the guy tells them that at Google that's what we do. We connect people to people, yeah, and that's what we do at Google. That's kind of how he ends the show. And I'm thinking, so you could just are you lobbying? You're lobbying for a new nickname right now. We're (laughs) supposed to call you the Google. No, no, no. Here at the Valleydale Church, we have Patrick Sawyer. The Google. The Google. No, I don't. Patrick the Google. You know, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be known as the Google. I just thought that was funny. I'll call I, you the Google if you start go- calling me the pistol. <laughs> Sounds good. It's my it's my hero. All right. Well, I think we've probably taken enough time. <laughs> we've we've uh, we've jumped the shark multiple times. I'm uh. sure. So people person, not necessarily cat person, definitely people person. Patrick Sawyer. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing us the message yesterday. Thank you, man. It was, I, I would have loved it. As I sit as I sit here right now, I genuinely don't know if Pastor is going to be back next Monday. You know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Hey, I looked in to tell you one story. Um, so, uh, so Connor, he was looking forward. I don't know if I'll know this or not. He was so looking forward to yesterday. I mean, think about this. He's singing Living Hope. Living Hope, yeah. Waymaker, which is his two favorite songs. Oh, wow. Awesome. Plus, plus, I mean, he does like it when I get to preach. Of course. Uh, the only thing he told me, he said, as much as excited as I am, the only thing that makes this day better is if Joanna if was Joanna there. Joanna was there. I knew he was going to say uh, that. Know, and so he kept talking all day on Saturday of what he was going to wear, what I was going to wear, what Don was going to wear, what he was going to That was his whole focus. Yeah. He wakes up Sunday morning sick. He can't come. Shut he missed yesterday. Up. No, that is such a sad story to end on. I was like, I don't think. 
think I have ever, <laughs> ever like just destroyed someone's dreams. Oh, Patrick. But he woke up with a little fever, and Don was like, I got to tell him he can't go. And I'm like, well, at least you can do it because I don't want to be the bad guy. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So he's doing much better. Uh, and he got to watch it on TV. Yeah. But the cool thing is I got home, and you know what he asked me when I came home? What does passion mean? I heard you say that a lot. Yeah. What does passion mean? So I had a great opportunity to, to explain to him what what passion is in general, yeah. but then also – uh, what I talked about, which was being passionate for the gospel. So I had a great conversation with him. So he listened, and he enjoyed it, even though he watched it on screen. So that will end up with a happy note, is that he listened, okay. and he learned. Praise the Lord. So, Well, Lord willing, we'll have Joanna back here singing Living Hope <laughs> someday. I have a living hope that someday she'll return to someday. us. I'm just halfway joking about that, because she's sitting right here anyway. Okay, uh, that's it. We love you guys. Do we have any other announcements we should tell them about before we go? I tell you one thing. Well, two two Sunday things to look forward to next week. Pastor's back preaching again, but it's going to be a special video message that he filmed in Philippi. Yeah. That's pretty cool. If he's not preaching out of Philippians, I'm, I'm going to leave. Yeah. What no, if he no. got to Philippi? He's preaching from the top. And he's like, everybody, open to Galatians. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just. I probably I shouldn't know. joke about that because he's probably going to throw me a curveball. You never uh, know. And then the Sunday after that, the 27th. Uh, did I tell you this, that Iglesia Valleydale is going to be with us on the 27th? Because they're going to baptize yeah, again. Yeah, that's awesome. Great, so man. we're going to have a Holy Ghost fiesta. Nice. It's going to be really fun. All right, that's everything. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Oh.